Wait, do you want that to stay in or not? No, I mean, no. Okay. But uh, no. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Saving People, Queering Things, the Supernatural podcast where we are the homoerotic subjects of Supernatural. Today, we are pulling up to Season 5, Episode 9, The Real Ghostbusters. I am your host, August, and joining me today are my amazing co-hosts, Elena and Noah. How are you both doing today? Fantastic. Oh, this episode was a great one. I'm feral <laughs> for Dean Winchester as per usual. I mean, how could you not be with the homoerotic subtext everywhere? Scared little boy. We're going to get oh. there. Oh, we have oh, thoughts and feelings and emotions. Before we get there, though, we need to catch you all up. If you haven't watched Supernatural recently, here is what you've missed on the road so far. First up, Elena, you are going to recap the show so far. I am going to count you in. Okay. Three, two, one. Yep. Okay, so Sam and Dean are brothers and they they hunt bad stuff and they get really angsty about it on the way and they have a lot of daddy issues and mommy issues and just family issues in general. They There's a lot of like dying and coming back to life and then also more dying and coming back to life and then there's a apocalypse that gets started and then a gay angel shows up. It all gets very confusing for especially Dean because he's like, what am I sexuality even? And now we're in season five and I don't know what's happening. <laughs> Did anyone? Incredible. Incredible. A disaster. <laughs> no, you pulled through. I, I liked it. Nailed I it. Nailed season it. five and I don't know what's happening. I, I think that's very funny because I know oh. you do know what's happening because you've watched the show an insane amount of times. And you very much know what's happening. But you have to limit what you say. <laughs> and I don't know what's happening. Well, speaking of someone who doesn't know what's happening, Noah, are you ready <laughs> to recap the episode? I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's do it. Because I, I just want to talk about this episode already. Please, so. please. Okay, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> There's lead so us, much here. Lead us right in with a recap. Three, two, one, go. Okay, so the boys are summoned to a supernatural book series convention by Chuck, but actually it's Becky. And so they have to quiet a haunting while also surrounded by cheap imitations of themselves left and right. Everybody doing deep voices for Sam and Dean. And maybe they have some inner realizations. We'll see. We'll see. We get a Bella mention and then they save the day in a roundabout way and that's it that's all i had prepared oops that was marvelous <laughs> that's great you hit the key points you brought a bella which yes and we uh, also have our reference to uh, another another character that we haven't met yet but we've got a uh wild crowley reference yes oh my god i was ready? so excited i was like fuck yeah of course bella's the intro to Crowley because like Crowley's so great and iconic and it would have been <laughs> sad that those two characters had never met because they would had would have had such a fun relationship so I'm no, glad that I they, they did connect that, like when when it got to that point I just immediately picture you watching the episode being that like Leonardo DiCaprio like pointing at the screen meme like uh -huh. hey, yeah I know oh, him. Oh, oh, hey <laughs> he's it. coming he's here <laughs> wait let me see what I said in my notes yeah Becky brings up Bella she never really gave the cult to Lilith. Ah, Crowley. <laughs> Crowley. That was it. <laughs> Amazing. Love that. Very excited. Well, it's uh, now time for us to pick some music to accompany us as we set off on this grand journey into fan 
convention weirdness. Here's what we have this week. Elena, you want to go first? Yes, I would love to. So my pick is entirely weird and slightly selfish, but it's because it's a fan convention episode. As I was thinking, like, what song would I pick? The only song that came to mind was a song that I always associate with fan conventions because it was a prominently featured song at one of the first ones that I ever went to. Uh, The song is Shut Up and Dance by Walk the Moon. Good choice. Phenomenal. That song, every time I hear it, I am transported to 2015 where I hosted a Super Who Lock meetup and everybody just had a really great time and was jumping around to that song. And so given that it's a fan convention episode, just immediately took me back to that that moment and that memory. So that is my contribution to the mixtape this week. It's beautiful. I love it. I love it. Noah, what do you got? I went with If I Were You by Black Bear featuring Lauf. Beautiful, fun little, <laughs> can't say fun little ditty about every fucking song. <clears throat> it's a stellar, <laughs> stellar track <laughs> where it's sort of how Dean is approaching all the imitators. You know, if I were you, I would see through all the lies that I'm living and pick something, pick something different before I disappoint you or let you down in some different way. So nice. I uh, think that fits really well. Good decisions made. What about you, August? My pick is Throw Away Your Television by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I wanted to go with something a little bit meta. And so this is, is, is a... You know, obviously it's the book series, not the television series, but we're going meta. We're going meta. And you got to throw away your TV. Got to throw away your TV. You got to live in the real world. Oops, the real world has monsters. Sorry about that. Sucks. Yes. Seem to hit our kind of our, our our two fan protagonists that we get in this episode. Damn. Thought that would work. Yeah. I love that. Now we got our mixtape. It's time for this week's hunt. And today we are exploring the ninth episode of season five, The Real Ghostbusters. Not to be confused with the Ghost Facers, as we've met earlier in the yeah. show. This is the real Ghostbusters. I'm a little disappointed they didn't show up in this episode. It is a bit of a bait and switch. It's, I do remember that being disappointed as well the first time I watched this. Yeah, they really, they get you. You get all excited about it. Then... I feel like during the recap, when we were looking over the titles, I was like, hmm, maybe that's the Ghost Facers. Yeah, you definitely did no. predict that this was a Ghost Facers episode, and I was, I, yeah was preemptively disappointed for you. He could so. neither confirm nor deny. You know what? Regardless, it was still a great episode and I had a great time. So it's okay. So hard to hard to lose with this episode. Well, there's some moments where we lose, but we'll get there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this week, tarot card. If you haven't joined us in a while, season five, we are picking our themes based on the Supernatural Tarot deck and kind of using that to guide our discussions. And this week's card is a very special card. Um, this week's card is the Chariot, which in Ooh. the Supernatural deck should not be hard to guess. What features on the chariot <laughs> card? Huh, I wonder. It is our beloved baby. Baby. Heck yeah. Yeah, I'm going to read the card and then Elena can give us a little bit more context as to what themes we might find ourselves discussing this week. The chariot symbolizes forward momentum, willpower, drive, and triumph. In Supernatural, the Winchester's chariot is Dean's inherited 1967 Chevrolet Impala, the car that carries them through the many trials and triumphs of their journey. Dean and Sam have a firm belief in their moral convictions and the importance of their job each time they set out on one. The chariot suggests you take a leaf out of their book and go after your goals with determination and courage. Even if you can't quite see where this new road leads, your confidence will ensure you are triumphant. Which I think is interesting, the meta element of this card for this episode. You know, thinking about perception and how Sam and Dean are seen by the fans of the books. But uh, Elena, you want to? Yes. So 
was really stoked this is a card I always say that but it's always true <laughs> it this one the chariot card if you look back at the original uh well not original but the classic like rider waith tarot deck the imagery for it is really fun because obviously it depicts you know a person riding a chariot going forth triumphantly but something that's kind of fun about it is it's in the traditional card art it's being pulled by like these two sphinxes so when I saw that I immediately was like oh this is Sam and Dean it just like that for some reason jumped out to me but the card itself is definitely like it says in that guidebook it's very much about victory and willpower and you know the one of the lines I have in the, the deck that I use is a really great deck called Mystic Mondays and this one line that they have in their guidebook is the road may have a few bumps along the way but with determination confidence and inner drive you'll get through it safe and sound and for me like thinking about this card in relation to the episode that's very much how like the end of the episode kind of felt like even though like it was a really weird situation for Sam and Dean to find themselves in like having these people all reenacting their lives you know we'll we'll get to it more later in the episode I'm sure but just the way that the guys you know that they're working Sam and Dean are working with perceive what Sam and Dean do is very much reminding me of the chariot card mm. like they see sam and dean as heroes even when sam and dean don't and so i think there's this nice little moment towards the end where dean kind of feels that for once like yeah like maybe we do something good and so i think that that's where the victory kind of comes in with that card yeah yeah i think those themes are going to be some that we're going to come back to i think this uh this meta element the idea of what makes a hero i think that's very fitting yes absolutely so uh let's let's get right into it uh it's time for our our main discussion of this episode what did you think where do you want to start noah got reactions becky was back and in a big way Oh, you can't see me like cringing in my seat uh, and cringing in it. my seat. August like just deflated. I have things to say about Becky. Actually, I have things to say about how Becky is written. Yeah. 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 Not 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 a fan this episode of not a fan of uh Chuck either and his yeah. <laughs> his whole thing with Becky. I loved when he was doing his stuff solo. <laughs> Whenever he was fixated on Becky, it was so uh, uncomfortable. You're like, why? She's uh, like, it's this like hero worship that she has towards mm-hmm. Sam and Dean, this sort of like simpering, gross, like childlike, yeah. non consensual, like creepy. Yeah. Mm. and then she turns it on chalk and it's you're like this is just as bad you're just turning it on a different person now yeah she's turning it on a different person but yeah the thing with chuck that creeps me out though is that he's on the opposite end where he's like he would like to be like worshipped and acknowledged and like and it just which okay wait Uh uh-huh yeah if that's your if that's your thing that's absolutely fair and valid it's different if you trick somebody into it rather than them being consensual from the get-go yeah and this doesn't always... feel as honest as that sort of kink you know yeah. I, don't, I don't want to shame anybody out there for th- you, you do you and your relationship dynamics if it works for both of you like you do you this is not that <laughs> this is not that well and the problem with becky the problem with becky is that, <laughs> that she this for this whole episode the problem with becky. she is a caricature of a female fan and she reveals a lot about how the writers of supernatural at this time thought about their fan base because this fan convention, you look at the audience, it is 95% white men. 
there are like three women and the only female fan that gets any sort of like screen time is Becky. And the only thing she is interested in is banging the characters. That's the only thing she's interested in, just to be really, really clear. It's the only thing she's interested in. And it's really, a, a, it's a really interesting look at the way the writers felt about their fan base and who they thought their fan base was. And also the liberties they felt like they felt was okay, like was okay to just basically reduce their fans their female fans to Becky. Yeah, I have yeah. in my notes the phrase fundamental misunderstanding of your own fan base. <laughs> Just at like every possible level. Like this, the audience in that convention room is the audience that Eric Kripke wishes he had drawn in, which was, you know, the like loser guys who want like, you know, these, you know, manly men to look up to. Like that's kind of this terrible trope that he's portraying. And he even like it comes across in like Dean's dialogue where he's like, oh, you get to get out of your mom's basement. Like which is just gross. Like even so it's like you're even demeaning the guys who are fans. Like you're just you're demeaning every person possible while also just not understanding who is watching your show. And Elena and I went to a con this past year, a supernatural con, and like and this has been true of supernatural cons for a long time. The the demographic of who's at a supernatural convention is flipped from this one. Like it's it's probably 95% uh, women and gender non-conforming and trans people is probably yeah. 95% of the fans. And that's not to say that like there aren't male fans because there absolutely are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A few. No. <laughs> um, yeah, some of those. No, yeah. But like the fan base as a whole, this is not an accurate representation of it. Our listenership is also 95% yeah. female or non-gender conforming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even back when this episode came out in 2009 always has been that was i think already the case in the fandom yeah and they were salty about it <laughs> so they decided to write becky as this and that hurts yeah yeah uh, and i also think it's interesting this is going to be jumping way around but the two male fans that we get to spend a bunch of time with i think it's really unfortunate that like those male fans go from being kind of pathetic and easy to make fun of to becoming heroes who know the truth and take it seriously and they actually contribute to hunting. They become heroes. Whereas Becky also knows that this is all true. Yeah, she, she doesn't, doesn't take it seriously. Thing. She gets mocked both in the show and in the like meta narrative of the episode. Huh. Becky exists yeah. to be mocked, even though she knows, like, it's not like she's someone who like thinks it's all fictional. Like she's the mm. reason they're there. Yeah, she, she knows they're real. <sighs> and even the two guys that end up hunting with them at no point believe that they're actually Sam and Dean. Oh, because they don't need to, because that's not really what's important. Like, yeah, because I think not necessary. When they, when they experience this like actual supernatural thing that occurs to them, they just assume that like the the supernatural like world is real and that that's what mm -hmm. Chuck has been writing about. But they're still, I think, under the firm belief that like this is a fictional story like they have no reason to believe that these exact events have transpired for these two guys well there are millions of of ghost stories and spirit stories in the world that are not like supernatural didn't come up with the idea of the paranormal no which what do these guys do afterwards i'm curious about like do they just go back to their normal lives? Do these two become hunters? What happens to them? By the way, stereos. Barnes and Damien are their names. And yes. uh, thank you. Barnes, Barnes was in psych. <laughs> of course he was. God of course damn. he was. He stood up for the first question. I said, ah, ah, I know him. <laughs> it's a psych sighting. Yeah. 
supernatural strikes again. There were also some queer representation. Like, that was fantastic. I loved having that. Yes. Now, that's one thing. Who we have. There were subtle clues. And it was like, but it wasn't confirmed until the end. And then it was like, yes, fucking say it with your full chest. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I I picked up vibes. You didn't know it going into this episode, though, that... No, I didn't know we'd have a queer sighting in the wild in Supernatural. Today, of all days, I'm so happy. They don't die. They don't die. They they leave happy. Yeah, like with their head. They leave together. Stronger than before. Howdy, partner. Like, come on. Uh, Yeah, which all I want. And Dean is the one who interacts with them specifically. Okay, all right. So we're getting that's where we are. We're going. Okay, let's go right for it. Let's jump to it because we're. It's a very meta episode. We gotta. We'll have a very meta approach to it many feelings okay there's like layers to this because there's layers to this and i never know how i feel about this particular writing choice because i love that we get a queer couple i love that we get an explicitly queer couple that are allowed to be affectionate all these things i don't love i don't love the writing choice to be like yes these two who are a romantic couple will obviously choose in when they're LARPing to be Sam and Dean, who are brothers. I don't love yeah. that. And I've always, it's always been, it's a, it's no, another that's... nod to like the fandom of Supernatural externally to the show, but it's a nod to something in the fandom that, uh, mm. yeah, Look. it's not great. It's it's only better if you possibly just think about the fact that they met online and they were just like uh, uh, and there's no cast in the show like in the, in the books that they know there's no cast true so they yeah. don't have that option they they're both male presenting people in their regular lives from everything we everything we know they're both cis male presenting people so there's two male leads that, like they don't see it doesn't it doesn't inherently mean like incest and I yeah. don't no. like to talk about that on this like I yeah I never like when we have to come to this, no. but I think we have to come to it because the show comes to it. Yeah, it's not it's not great. It doesn't make logical sense for them to choose that. I mean, besides the only other choice, like that's it. There's there's no other option except for a bad guy. OK, but they <laughs> they also know that Bobby and Rufus are in this universe, first of all, because yep. that's who yep. Sam and Dean choose as their aliases, <laughs> which is fucking wholesome as oh. Do you think it's Sam and Dean that choose that, or do you think it's the those two that say you're Bobby and Rufus? Oh, I thought I've always thought it was the guys like you're Bobby. And- I love the idea that it's Sam and Dean. Dean. Immediately says I'm Bobby. I've never considered <laughs> that, but it's a way better headcanon. I love that so much more. It's I like the idea that that's who they go, that's who they gravitate towards. Yeah, and so like, who Sam's, do you guys want to be? Bobby. They're they're in this world where everybody's coming up with aliases just like they do, you know. So and they Dean can't pick one of those. On. Yeah, and Dean is Bobby, and that yeah. is so good. Yeah. That's very aspirational. Oh. Like, yes, yeah. we know who we know who you look up to. You're not going to pretend to be your dad. Nope, mm. nope. Could have said John. Could have said, said John, John and Bobby. Didn't said Bobby and Rufus. Ugh, Bless so him. Which is good. Is good. Is good. Sorry. Is good. All that to say, they could have chosen Dean and Bobby. You know, they could have had that sort of. It's it's just an unnecessary choice on the writing part too, because then it what it does kind of subtly is it kind of equates this like this queer relationship with like incest it kind of like it kind of does that little like very subtly non-explicitly it kind of just plants that there as parallels to each other and that's it's not great awful Uh we can say it's awful we don't like that 
we're not a fan of that. And like, no. you don't want to like harp on it a whole lot because I don't want this to be the episode where we have to talk a whole whole ton about Winzest, but it's my hesitancy with this one hesitancy with this episode. I, I have always felt that as well. That is like a, a point of like, oh, God damn it, guys. You got so fucking close and just went <laughs> right past the point. They're queer and explicitly queer, but, 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 but. <laughs> The way that, and and this is maybe just a, you know, traumatized mind trying to rationalize it in a way that will make it palatable, but I've always kind of thought of it as that's the, the only reason that they do that is not for the Wincesty kind of reasons or connotations, but because that's who each of their favorite characters are. I'm hoping yeah. that, yeah, I think in universe, I can accept that. Yeah. I think I don't love it from the writing perspective because I think for the yes. writers, it's absolutely a, oh yeah, a joke. It's absolutely a joke, kind of a joke at queer people's expense and kind of a joke at the Winchester's expense. And, yeah. it's, well, and neither of those is great. Because as much as we love the fact that they have the, you know, the homoerotic subtext of Supernatural, the part that's frustrating about that is that we as fans find it funny because there's all this homoerotic there subtext is. related to to but not between the two of them no. yeah and that's the part that's annoying it's in there because the writers are trying to poke fun at the Wincest shippers as opposed to acknowledging they actually just have a ton of homoerotic subtext with other characters interacting with other characters especially at this point like we are halfway through season five and now that with Cass we have so much of that already in season four and five like free to be you and me has happened up to this point like yeah that episode creating gay yeah it's it's unfortunate because they're again they're making fun of of the fans for seeing what they have legitimately put in there which feels a little gaslighting where you're like we're not seeing something that's not there just because the fans are enthusiastically seeing it and picking apart it like doesn't isn't just because like they want to see it like yeah. fans no. are not as uh stupid as this episode presents <laughs> no definitely not because even the other fans they're all either really weird or intentionally off-putting or kind of mean every single fan in this episode yeah there's like no one's just like a normal human who's also a fan yeah until the end until you get the revelation of the, the those two guys by the end but even they are like presented as kind of weird for enjoying yeah. this story so much yeah which is very 2000s i think perception of like nerds media in general mm -hmm. honestly yeah, I feel like because of, I could be wrong in saying this, but I don't know. This is just my perception as a person who's viewed and studied media over the last, like, two decades or whatever. Or whatever. Like, that's not or a huge whatever. achievement. Like, you can, own, you can own it. You know your shit about this. Step up with your full check. You know what? Okay, fine. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> Please say your We're going to actually shut up and let you share your expertise now. I'm done being supportive. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's like that line in the office. I'm sorry I offended you with my friendship. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we know. Finish your thought. Sorry, you'll lose it. Uh, no, I'm not going to lose it. Oh, good. I would. Am I? No, no, I'm not. Over the last, like, handful of years, like, because of things like Marvel and Game of Thrones and even, like, Star Wars, which is a property and a franchise that's been around for quite some time. And referenced in this episode. And is referenced in this episode. But with the purchase of, with Disney buying it and starting this whole new line of content, it has made Star Wars more... <sighs> I don't want to say more popular. Mainstream. 
Mainstream is maybe the word you're looking for. Mainstream is absolutely the word I'm looking for. So being a nerd has become more of a mainstream kind of thing. Not necessarily in all of the ways that I feel like people who are deep in fandom. Especially niche fandom, like Supernatural, which Supernatural is. Yeah, and people who participate in fandom, and I, I know August, you're gonna you're gonna love this, but like people who participate in fandom the way that Trekkies participate, in fandom, <laughs> like that's what Supernatural is. Yeah, and at that, especially at that time, that was super considered weird, and so like it's really those kind of biases of the time kind of really come across in the way that the episode is written, and I like I'm so curious what like if this episode were like if Supernatural were on and in its fifth season right now and there was an episode at a fan convention like I wonder what that would look like and how different that would be because of the way interactions with fandoms have changed over the years if it was still a book series you know not not yeah. not a show yet I think we have some answer to that in I think there has been portrayals of like fan conventions and things in more recent media and it's much more enthusiastic and sympathetic yeah. and much more humanizing I think like I think of shows even like Mythic Quest which is an Apple TV show about creators of a board of a video game oh cool Danny Pudi who's in community is one of the leads in Mythic Quest anyway I won't go oh. on a whole Mythic Quest channel but told me with that sentence <laughs> yeah it's a great show I do recommend it they have an episode that's at a convention and it's very celebratory. Like, yes, these people are a little weird. Like, yes, these people are not, these fans are maybe not, maybe not everyone experiences a video game the way these fans experience a video game, but they're not mocked for that. They are in a community that is celebrating fandom and they're having a lot of fun with it. And the show, the way the show tells that is not as a mockery. And I think that's, that's maybe, I think there's lots of other examples of that as well in popular culture oh, yeah I, I wasn't to say that there isn't it's just like i mean specifically related to supernatural oh, yeah how how would and we kind of i don't do think this episode that. exists i don't think this episode can exist any like in modern if supernatural's coming out but, now what i will say and i'll i'll leave it at this like this particular <laughs> topic because it would get into spoilery territory is that <laughs> i'm glad you're mentioning this because i was going to when we get to season 10 i feel as though we get a redemption arc of how the writers view fans and the levels of respect that the writers have for fans i would say like i think we fully get that by season 10 but i would even say in season 7 we get a portrayal yes. of fan oh. of a fan like of a person who is a fan that is very respectful of fans i have just disrespected my like favorite fucking character You're and i am the so the monarch yeah of all monarchs in the fandom yeah. anyway i'm not we're not going to say more but oh, dare. yeah season but you 7 you're absolutely right it's even it happens even sooner than i mentioned but supernatural does i think do a good job of redeeming itself for the this shit show i mean it's got enough time it should right and that's five more seasons than smallville <laughs> <laughs> that's five more if you're counting and fan culture changed a lot between 2009 and 2013 even like i was like 14 when this episode came out i was like 18 oh, by the time <laughs> by the time the season seven episode and like i, I remember I remember like watching that evolution, like even in my own life of like being a fan when I was a teenager and being an enthusiastic, like part of fandom culture as a teenager was a very different experience 
like on Tumblr, it was very more, much more niche. I didn't have a lot of real life friends who were also fans in the same way I was a fan. Whereas like, I think like even a couple of like regularly, I have potlucks at my house with my friends every couple of weeks. And the amount of times that we end up like in debates about like fan culture analysis, like we'll be watching some show and we'll all be sitting there like debating it and like analyzing it. And I can pull out my like analysis skills from years of being in fandom. And it's not I'm not speaking a different language to everyone else in the room. And that might be partly my Mm. friend group, but it's also, I think, because fan culture has changed and it's become a lot more mainstream. And I think that is, has happened really fast. Like it's happened in the last decade. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I was kind of trying to get at is just that like, it's happened radically. Like this level of nerd was not socially acceptable when I was in high school. No, no, or me either any stretch of the imagination it really gets me whenever you know people start speaking that same language out in the wild you know you run into someone and you're maybe you're wearing a, a fandom shirt and it's subtle or whatever and they pick it up and they they speak that lingo you know that happens more often now a lot more than it did back in the day yeah i spend less time explaining references now yeah one of the greatest nerd moments of my life was when i met this random person and we were having a nerdy conversation and i was like you know what i'm this is my chance i i have to take the opportunity and i told this person that i like their shoelaces they were wearing flip-flops yeah and they told me they stole them from the president oh. i tell you we oh. both screamed and hugged each other even <laughs> though we had that, like 30 minutes prior it was fantastic because we had a this was not at a fandom convention this was like in, in the lobby at my job yeah. <laughs> and it was beautiful that's a wonderful moment and that's i mean to bring it back to this episode these two fans barnes and damien like they say they met they met online in like a supernatural chat room. like we all met each other yeah <laughs> like, like we're in like we just met in a more you know contemporary version yeah like we met we met in a supernatural dm basically like yeah we met on a platform talking about this show and uh, i think that's kind of cool i hadn't really thought of it from that angle but now it's making me have an emotion and i don't know <laughs> For all the ways that this episode kind of fails in portraying fans, there's also some ways where it accidentally succeeds. Yes. Like those panel, those two panel titles. Can we talk about the Dean panel? Because scared little boy. Frightened Frightened little little boy. boy. Sorry. The secret life of Dean. The secret life. Which that paired with the homoerotic subject of Supernatural just like hits you like one, two punch. Like we... Yeah. The secret life, like we think about being closet, like all of these things that just sort of like go along with the way we think about Dean and the way we talk about Dean on the show. Yeah. And how Dean is just so oblivious to actual queerness when confronted with it. Like, <laughs> there's no just, idea what to do with it. Just doesn't, just, he says, just howdy. defaults right. Yeah. Defaults right to his, like, his freaking cowboy fetish. And just says, <laughs> is a whole choice that he's made. Yeah. Like, that's, like, of all the things you could have said, that's where you, that's where you went with that. Dean. We just had the Dr. Sexy reference. Like, we just had that happen. Moments last episode. And Come on. Can we also talk about, uh, this was, I think, in this rewatch, my favorite moment of <laughs> that I'd like never really noticed before was the profoundly genuine look of two things on Dean's face as he's leaning on the car immediately after that interaction. It's consideration and satisfaction. Acceptance. <laughs> just like. Just acceptance. Yeah. Just this like, hmm. yeah. 
for I was worried about that moment because I remembered it slightly differently than it actually is. I think I remembered his like expression being one of more of like uncomfortableness. And like there's a flash of that, but yeah. it is not as profound as I remembered it or I built is it up in my brain to be of being mortified that he got social cues wrong yeah. than it is oh no these are queer people it's exactly. not exactly it doesn't come across like that it comes across as yeah. like oh i'm sorry like my bad and also like a little weird that you're pretending to be our me and my brother i think it's yeah. those two things that he's more like oh about it's not the like gay people thing which no, i was pleasantly surprised to be like oh that's actually how i'm seeing it now Love yeah that. that was that was my favorite part i'd like to applaud the banner behind them oh, yeah. in this because it looks homemade and it looks <laughs> awesome and it is way better than any supernatural convention banner i've ever seen say, it oh, makes easily. creation con designs look like freaking trash look this whole con <laughs> makes creation cons not look great which is saying something because this con doesn't look that great either <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, it to make if you're making Creation Con look good, I mean, no offense, no shit. <laughs> I enjoyed it, but oof. <laughs> There's no that got the t-shirt. <laughs> the worst part about this con, in my opinion, is the fact that the little ghost hunt that they are sent on in as part of the event of the convention is signed Love Dad, like from John. Like John ever wrote them like a Karen note like that and ever signed anything. Love that. Like, no fucking way. Get your head out of your ass. If you wanted to be accurate, they should have had it be a voicemail where he just says, go to these coordinates and nothing else. No helpful information. Yeah. He gives them way too much helpful information. And offers yeah. them a $50 gift card. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, come on. John would never. <laughs> It also kind of felt what right after that, Dean is talking to Sam. He says, I don't think that guy's a good enough actor to be acting. Just feels like like an actor saying that. <laughs> yeah, an actor saying that. And then they hit cut. And then the other guy's like, damn, Jensen, like, what what did I do? Like, fuck. <laughs> I don't know. It was that was a fun joke. There's a lot of really fun little jokey moments. Like also the uh, the uh, I think the fan that's uh, Swedish. The Swedish fan that is like is like they're always losing their weapons. Why don't they keep it on some kind of bungee? <laughs> Which fun <laughs> their faces after and they do the oh okay that's weird. And then they reference it again like kind of useful. Come back to it and they're like hey maybe we should. That's actually <laughs> a pretty smart idea. Which I I really want to know and I would not be surprised at all if this is something that the writers either pull like pulled from something in fan discussions because like fan do have said stuff like that before <laughs> and that's something i liked that they did with with that fan in particular and yes it's played for laughs but he also is just asking uh continuity questions and like practicality questions which is also a part of like fan analysis and i thought that was quite funny also it may reminded me of like beth and jamie from driver picks the podcast talk about like uh having a salt filled hula hoop would have been really handy <laughs> and this yeah. bungee this whole bungee gun thing also that's what it reminds me of yeah bungee <laughs> I'll see myself out. It's fine. I'll, I'll turn in my uh, my badge. <laughs> Another, okay, this is changing a little bit because I want to hear what both of you thought about like the chuck of it all in this episode. Oh, From a meta perspective, Dean says to Chuck early on in the episode, who gave you the rights to our life story? Which, uh-huh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a very complicated if, okay, he's, it really feels like he's pushing the narrative along a little bit 
in his own way because he's, I don't know, he's acting, not acting maybe, but he's super broke and he needs to make more books. And so he's, he wants to get back on that. Like the notion of God saying, I have no marketable skills, but writing and, and not even, but writing. I'm not a good writer. Yeah. I'm not some kind of hero that can just hit the road and fight monsters. Until the world ends, I gotta live. The supernatural books are all I got. Listen, bro, same. The season 15 <laughs> vibes of this moment are very strong, and I'm very angry charts. about it. Valid. Oh, interesting. That's your season 15 moment? One of them. Okay. I was like, because I have another <laughs> There's one. another one, but that's one of them. That was one oh, where I was like, what... oh boy, like, okay. Yeah, that, that is very, that hadn't hit me, but yeah boy howdy his whole his whole bloopers on stage not bloopers but his little extra cuts at the end (laughs) specifically when he says the way i see it it's not really jumping the shark if you never come back down you know (laughs) which killed me which is true in a nutshell yes yeah and that's just because like, if that's already the way that writers are feeling about the show in season five, season like, five. this show, it that ends up be, that might be the most prophetic thing Chuck says in this entire episode. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's fair. Like, this episode could be called A Brief History of Jumping the Shark on Supernatural. <laughs> like... <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. We had an episode called Jump the Shark last season. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we did. We literally did. Never came back down. They were aware. <laughs> I love it. Chuck is just such a character and he really carries this whole episode. And I love that God's favorite movie is Beaches. <laughs> yeah. Great. Phenomenal <laughs> choice. Terrible. Terrible, terrible, trash person, Chuck. His <laughs> favorite movie is Beaches. Uh, I, I, okay. Other thing here little note to like fandom nerd dean towards the end dean's like dean earlier on in the episode is like what the hell is going on and then is correcting sam on fandom terminology where sam's like yeah they're like well i don't remember what sam says he talks about like they're playing cowboys and indians he said larping cowboys and indians Dean's like, uh uh-uh. uh, get the term, get the term right. It's LARPing. I like that he knows that. Dean loves a cute little outfit or a cute little game. Yeah. That lets him feel frivolous. He doesn't like love when it's someone LARPing as him, but like the concept of LARPing in general, Dean's like, well, I don't hate it. Yeah. He might be on board with it. Who knows? The way that whenever they're having that conversation and then uh, they're trying to convince her to help and Dean needs to go talk to the LARPers again and so he pops over he's, he says hey just give her the puppy dog thing okay and then moves on and just goes back to his solo conversation with Barnes and <laughs> Damien and, and Sam's face in the background is ah oh, what uh, okay fine yeah like oh <laughs> so that's what we're calling it oh I guess it will probably work I guess okay. I guess so okay fine another very meta thing because it's like that's a way people outside of the show talk about like Sam in early seasons. Yeah. There's so yeah. many moments where the characters kind of go outside of the story kind of by accident. And it's, it's well, quite it, funny. That moment when he says the puppy dog eyes reminds me of Tall Tales with when Sam's hugging him and he's like, you're precious for this world. <laughs> <laughs> like that really is just Dean's perception of Sam. <laughs> and it's, I think it totally comes from that, you know, and I mean, mind you, I say this as a youngest sibling, but like, I feel like that's the older sibling projecting that like the younger sibling is the small cute one that gets everything that they want kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so like, because it's true. 
coming yes, from an older true. sibling. Absolutely, absolutely what happens. Listen. And it's hard to grow out of that. I as a youngest sibling, I can't confirm nor deny. <laughs> Every time my siblings mention some life, you know, milestone that they've achieved, it's baffling. Whoa, no, no, you're still 14, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like my my niece who is 10 years younger than me, mind you. But like she's 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 baby. Like she will always be baby in my brain. But like she's married. That's a whole ass adult, Elena. Yeah, I know. <laughs> wild 22 years old no she's baby (laughs) she is she is small and i can pick her up and put her on the counter and bake cookies with her and she will be until she's 800 years old (laughs) and that's very much where dean is at with sam he's just like just go puppy dog eyes her you know like you do with everybody else it's also dean being like i know how the books portray you (laughs) because i read read them them. yeah because they read them back in monster at the end of this book they read the books or at least they read some of them and i I, don't know if they read all of them i i would like to believe that dean read all of them if i'm if i'm dean winchester and i am closeted and i uh or figuring it out and there are books that spell out my inside thoughts I am making sure I damn well read those because I do. I want to know what's out there about me. Like I want to know what's. I want to know how I'm being portrayed. Absolutely. Yeah. I read every single day. Tell me that other people knew I was gay before I knew. That's frustrating. Why didn't you say anything? Yeah. <laughs> why? Why would you tell me? Oh, you didn't know I was real. Yeah. Well, also, there's the whole like I'm full frontal on this one, dude. Yeah. <laughs> from, from that, so like I think Dean terrified reads all of them after Monster at the end of this book, <laughs> and I think grudgingly enjoys them by the end. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I don't see how they after the revelation at the end of this episode how they don't go back and read them all now you know if there was this moment where bella gave the cult to crowley and they, if they had known oh, yeah, that earlier so they like, okay. obviously didn't read them super closely in that case no. which also is a hilarious i think like meta sort of comment because becky's like didn't you read the books like it's a very much like a, pu- a pulling back the curtain and being like, didn't you read the books? Don't you that. know what the audience knows about this story? Like what the TV audience knows about this story? Don't you know that there are things in this story that you aren't being told? Like, yeah, it's kind of cool. It's I, I, like- I do know one moment that I will give a nod to the writers about that I appreciated um, was the moment where uh, Sam gets mad at Chuck and it's like, yes, where is it? <laughs> mention that to us, and he's like, you know, like I. I don't remember. Like I wrote it, but I don't remember. Listen, I've never related to a sentence more <laughs> as a writer. Like once I write it, I wrote it. It's out there. I don't, I don't fucking remember this shit. I need, I need notes as I'm sitting here <laughs> working on my second book. Like I forget half of my first book and I constantly have to reference it and have it nearby because I'm like, I don't remember all of this stuff, even though I'm the one who created it. Because there's this weird dissonance that happens with when you create stuff. It's like Chuck being up yeah. on stage and being like, thank you for your incredibly probing and rigorous questions. Like, it reminds yeah. me of like at Supernatural conventions when fans will go up and be like, Misha Collins in season eight, episode 12, when you like stood a certain way, can you tell us about that scene? And Misha's like, what episode is that? Was I, I in that episode? Know. Like, doesn't know. I stepped it. off set and took four shots. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, like, no. That was that was one, that was five minutes of my life, like eight years ago. <laughs> like, reminder that the fans always know the work better than the creators, honestly. Yeah, in a show like, was, with this kind of fandom. This episode did where I was like, you you guys got one thing right, yeah. at least. Can I lead us into a little conversation about the Winchesters? Yes. Kind of by accident? Okay, it's in the, the scene where Sam and Dean are talking to the fans and they're like, why would the hell would you choose to be these guys? 
And then Dean says, like, I'm not a fan. I think the Dean and Sam story sucks. It's not fun. It's not entertaining, blah, blah, blah. And then the one of the fans is like, I, I don't think they care because they're fictional characters. And Jensen Ackles, <laughs> playing Dean Winchester. I'm not sure which one of them is, is saying this, actually, at this moment. Because believe me, they care. They care a lot. And then Sam says he takes the story very seriously. Listen, I had to pause it because I was like, this is the Winchester's inception point. <laughs> When I say that Jensen Ackles took back over the body, this is not Dean in this moment. Or it is, but it's also Jensen. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, like it's Jensen Winchester, it's Dean Ackles, like they (laughs) PM that he is. Doesn't matter. It's a fictional character. They don't care because they're fictional characters, but you better damn well believe Jensen Ackles cares. Yeah. How you treat his character. (laughs) Yeah, that moment was, I think, the most unhinged for me. Just, just seeing that and being like, and he really, he really did. Like he really ended the show and said, oh, believe me, they care. And made a whole TV show about it. <laughs> the whole 13 episode television show. So far. Yeah. Look, yeah we better get more. I hope look, get more. I don't. Yeah. Although I don't know. We might not get more just because of a writer strike. Who knows? Oh, well, we know how that ends for supernatural shows. Uh, they go on yeah, for another it works out 13 well. seasons. So, yeah. so, you know, writer strike can't keep them down. True. <laughs> them. i don't know uh the last thing that i want to point out is that also had gave me big later seasons vibes and if you know you know is when sam goes hey chuck good luck with the supernatural book screw you very much <laughs> and then the like hotel convention runner guy says fans of yours and chuck says i'd say no i'd say yeah. no <laughs> Again, you know, when you know who Chuck is, they just adds this layer of like, yep. fans of yours? No, I'd say not. Yeah, not, not so much. Not I fans know. of the story we're telling. I also liked how when like right before they walk away, he says, you know, if you want to continue the Supernatural books, I, I guess that's okay with us. He says, oh, oh, wow, really? No, not really. We have guns and we'll find you. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> that's how many times point. do I have to tell you? <laughs> no. Sam doesn't get a lot of like great moments in this episode, but that is that is up there. That whole little bit with him is like, uh, listen, I'm like a you know theater kid, Sam Truther, and yes. like in that moment, he's like, wait, I can really sell this. Like, I I have a moment to pretend I am heartbroken for Becky, and I'm I'm just gonna do it, and then <laughs> and then he just like he does it, and he thinks that he delivered it so well that he's like, I'm gonna take it one step. Yeah, you can go ahead and publish those books. No, we'll find you. <laughs> <laughs> Like, Sam's like, no, remember, I'm actually terrifying. Yeah, like, I, I will find you. Back off. Great. Which, uh, I mean, I, given Chuck, uh, mm-hmm. my my firm opinion is that, that that there's no way that's stopping Chuck. Chuck's writing more books. Oh, yeah. Chuck oh. absolutely did. You know he did. Absolutely. Oh, and also, can't be missed to the, how do you guys feel about angels? <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, they're not as lame as they seem. <laughs> <laughs> which so good. is also like is this a nod this is a nod to cast specifically like what is this this is a choice is what a it choice. is like like don't worry we know you didn't want this storyline but like not as lame as it seems but the whole storyline changes with just a couple more books you know that's yeah. all he's gotta do uh... Dean was taken to hell and that's when it all changes yeah mm. Uh, I do want to, I think I've recommended it before and it is only, it is, does have spoilers in it. So if you haven't 
watched the rest of the show, or at least I think season nine, you will want to maybe steer clear of this one. But there is a fic that has a a character, a later season's character, uh, find the supernatural books and find much later books, and it ends up being a, a fic. A, it's a it's a Destiel centric fic of uh, this character finds the books and. It helps spark oh. Dean Cass. Really, it helps reveal. It, it reveals that like what's going on for Dean and Cass, and it's a uh, it's a nice little. It's a very cute fic. I will link it in the episode description. Is it Charlie? Yes, it's Charlie. It's Charlie finds the supernatural books. Yeah, and you have mentioned this. Fic it's a before. delightful fic. I will find it. I will link it. Um, if you have seen later on in the show, like you can check the fic itself for. I believe I think it's up to season nine where the spoilers are but it's very fun uh, and it does go into the like meta of it all and the idea that like these books kept happening and at some point dean becomes aware that there are a whole bunch of books and then he goes back and reads them all and is like i need to know what's being said i need to know all the things that i wasn't there for and so he gets to go and like read them all and sam reads them and it's sh- lots of shenanigans it's very That's very really funny good. it's very very funny uh, kind of crafty oh, yeah. in the most delightful way. That's my recommendation <laughs> of the day. Love that. So my last note for this episode, and I think it's just one of the most wholesome ones, is the moment where uh, Damien basically is just like, you are wrong about Supernatural. And th- just that whole moment is very much like, a, I actually, as a fan, felt like that was the stand-in moment mm-hmm. for me, where yeah. I was like, oh, oh, the writers know who I am and what I'm going through for this moment. Because like, yeah, you know, I'm a person who, I'm an administrative assistant. Like, whose world am I saving? Like, I'm just, I'm printing papers and doing spreadsheets. Like, my life is by, you know, a textbook definition. My life is boring. But these characters, getting to live through these characters and have these moments, like, who wouldn't want to be able to save the world, you know? Like, it's just a beautiful it, it's like a light in an episode that misunderstands a lot of other things, I think. And the idea that, like, I'm not sure you get what the story's about. The idea that the fans are the ones that get what the story's about because they are the ones that bring meaning to it for themselves. Like, that's yes. a really beautiful way of looking at fandom that, like, ultimately, once it's out in the world, it doesn't matter what the creators ultimately wanted it to do. It only matters what it actually did for the fans. Yeah. That's... That's a really cool way of thinking about fandom. And uh, yeah, I also felt very seen in that moment. Yeah, it's good stuff. Well, that seems like a, a lovely place for us to end the uh, our main discussion. So we're going to move into our going meta section where we are talking lore, representation, any behind the scenes trivia, and uh, anything else we haven't already talked about. Let's start with our representation chat. Rep check. I mean, we talked about fan representation. We talked about female fan representation. Uh, I would say another missing piece in the fan conversation here is there are very few fans of color. Yeah. Missing, like, are there's... There, are there any? Uh, I think there's one or two in the crowd. No, none that get speaking roles. No. Which, yeah. Another huge, really important part of fandom. Do better. Include everyone. Yeah. Yeah. They need to step it up with this this representation on a whole overall. Yeah. Well, yeah. You're going to be saying that for a long time, no. I yeah, agree. it's so fucking frustrating. Yeah. It's so fun. <laughs> the number one most frustrating point of Supernatural for me. Yeah, even when Supernatural does really good and really interesting storytelling, they flop on their telling of diverse stories and including diverse voices in their stories. That's why Winchester's was so good, but who's counting? Mm. <laughs> we are. We are definitely counting. Yeah. 
Uh-huh. It's us. We're the counters. It's we. Okay, okay. But most importantly for representation, we had a queer couple. Yeah. We've talked about them quite often, but I think it's just important to circle back to we don't get that many explicitly queer characters in the show. So we should celebrate them. And not just a queer character, but a couple who are in a relationship who survive. Happy. And the head leans really cute. <laughs> it's really cute. This fucking moment of the whole season. It's so sweet. And the fact that they so just sweet. like they just say like we're more than friends we're partners they they have that moment where they're able to be proud of like their relationship i love them so sweet Mm. it reminds me of a moment later on in the show with another canonically queer couple talking to dean um where there's a a similar misunderstanding where there's a similar misunderstanding where dean is like doesn't realize that it's a couple until they explicitly say it and then has a it's a really sweet moment and he short circuits once again and is like wait i then is like that's and then is Uh, and then is very uh, sweet about it and very kind about it and very accepting of it and it's nice such a disaster bisexual i love him so much (laughs) it's so sweet i love it bechdel test is a no though oh a hard pass becky's it and then well and uh the girl who's playing nameless person who plays leticia right she doesn't even get her own name does she is a very funny moment that the ringtone moment is a very funny moment they let that ringtone play for so long they really did but yeah no she was so scared to check it uh so just a note kids turn your phone off when you're at work put them put it on vibrate just put it on vibrate don't break character if it's gonna Uh, kill you i don't know what kids you're talking to i haven't met anyone younger than (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> 22 no 26 who has their phone on loud mode oh yeah i don't who have my phone that? on loud mode i'm 28 i don't have my phone on loud mode and i haven't for forever i do when i'm home <laughs> really if i'm home and i'm expecting a call that's the only time i have my phone on not silent still wow. i'll search for that shit while it's vibrating oh, but that's, but that's that right I also, i'm also an old though you're you're an, you're an elder millennial elena so mm. you and i are like a little bit a little bit more that how sad is it that i'm only in my 30s and i'm already an elder gay like what (laughs) frustrating sorry it's cool (laughs) so get this i was looking into the lore there's no like this is the spirits are very uh similar to yeah because that's not the point of this episode it's not so much new lore but it plays on established lore a lot yeah it does the little thing that i think supernatural does really well on which is it you think it's one thing and then whoops nope it's not it's it's another thing but it is still the thing that they think it is it's just another of the thing they think it is yeah still yeah. spirits got the person wrong <laughs> yeah and i think the lore the main lore in this episode is actually just like the world building of the supernatural books and their place in the world more than yeah. it is any like lore about supernatural creatures yeah i feel like the chuck stuff is more the lore of this episode noting everything that he says and how that's gonna <laughs> implications and now the brothers know about the you know chat rooms talking about the books and shit right and about the cult comes back into play that's a, that's the big lore piece today we find out well sam and dean find out that yeah the cult is bella. an option bella gets mentioned again for the first time in uh, so long 
that is I, I hate to say this that's the last time she ever gets mentioned isn't it uh, is. i'm not sure but i think that that might be good yeah, i can't think of maybe a single i don't think she becomes well i don't think she becomes relevant again maybe once they actually talk to crowley for the first time like hey we're looking for something uh, like, oh, i don't great. even know that i don't know yeah, you have to we'll have to like pay attention for that when we get to yeah get to those episodes those episodes I think but yeah Crowley we got a Crowley reference and that's and and, and we have a plot we have like a, a direction for them to go because they've been kind of like not sure where to go in because terms they of can't their find God or the devil yeah so. and they also have no way of killing the devil if they yeah. do find him yeah. so now but they now, have a lead because Jesse's gone and also <laughs> irrelevant. <laughs> so. oh yeah yeah we're like we had an entire being capable of maybe killing lucifer but uh he fucked off because he's a small child so yeah i can't really blame him but... <laughs> i think that's about it for lore right it's now time for our last and favorite part of the episode our character blessings who's got someone they want to bless today uh, i'm blessing two people i would like to bless barnes and damien Bless their hearts. I hope that they live very long, happy lives, that they do not get into hunting, and yes. that somewhere years down the road, they are, you know, cuddling on a couch, reading supernatural books, and watching Game of Thrones, and hosting a D&D campaign with their friends. I... I hope that for them. I hope that for them. They just have, they just get to live happy queer lives. Yeah. They they get to be the embodiment of queer joy. That mm. is what I, I wish mm. for them. Yes. I became so attached to them with this conversation. Way more attached than I've ever been to them as characters. Yeah. I've I've always kind of loved them. Not not for nothing. They they've always held a very special place in my heart because of the revelation of who they are. And how they, they might live. be. Are they are they our first queer couple that we actually get to know explicitly? Ex- yeah, uh, they are. Because we've had a couple of queer yeah, characters, couple. but yeah, I think queer relationship that we actually get to see. Yeah, between like named characters that we know. Canonical, so. Well, canonical. Yeah. Queer yes mm. well yes yes Canonical. explicitly stated not even like yeah uh, yeah yeah we all know <laughs> i'm gonna go ahead and bless dean because my boy is going through it having people making assumptions about him left and right and some of them are on the money and some of them are a little exaggerated and he's got to deal with people's perception of him and mm. that's a little rough and dean doesn't like to be perceived. a little uncomfortable yeah. honestly to be perceived Especially when you're being perceived for something that you are not sure that is true about yourself. And something you weren't necessarily aware was out there, you know? Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't know I was performing right now. Cool. This is my life. Whatever. Yeah. Blessings to Dean. Love it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to bless Sam. He has a really uncomfortable situation with Becky in this episode that he does not deserve. He has someone who just doesn't respect his boundaries. And that doesn't really get acknowledged by any other character of like how inappropriate that is. It usually doesn't with Sam, which is really depressing. Yeah. And it's, you know, Sam deserves those boundaries to be respected. And he also deserves for there to be people in his life that that take those seriously when someone is, you know, putting him in a position like Becky is putting him in. And uh, I just want to bless, bless Sam and the, and the like relatability of that for anyone who is like watching this episode and going like, I've been in that situation and it sucks. Like a blessing for, you know, for Sam in that, cause that's a, Maybe a bit of a downer way to end the episode, but uh, I, I thought it needed to be said. It does. Blessings to Sam. And uh, and for his, you know, zingers at Chuck, because... Yeah. Yeah. Chuck good. deserves it. 
<laughs> if this if this blessing segment has taught us anything, it's that consent and queer joy are two of our favorite favorite things. Yeah, again, that's a great place for us to to wrap up. So that is all we have today. Thanks, Elena and Noah, for a wonderful discussion as always. No, thank you. <laughs> no, it's always a blast. This episode was so much fun too. Yeah, I'm so glad you liked it. Yeah, it's a, it's pretty up there on my list of faves. It's I love one. the meta ones. Anytime it gets meta. It's drawn on me. I came into this episode being like, I know I like this episode, but I have some qualms. And I, I still have the same qualms, but uh, talking about them, I don't know. I feel more affection for this episode now. Oh, well, we love that. I'm glad. So make sure that you are subscribed to Saving People Queering Things wherever you listen to podcasts and be sure to share our show with your friends. And don't forget that you can also find links to all of our social media and join our lovely Discord server through our website, queeringthingspodcast.com. And if you are all caught up on Supernatural and want to go back to before the beginning, you can listen to myself and Elena, along with our friends Beth and KJ, on our show Wayward Parents, uh, covering the Winchesters. All of the episodes for that are out, so if you've watched the Winchesters, or you're watching it, or you're re-watching it, come along for some fun discussions. Uh, updates for that show are at Wayward Parents on Twitter or on Tumblr at Wayward Parents Podcast. Be sure to ride along with us next week as we explore Season 5, Episode 10, Abandon All Hope. Thank you for coming along for the ride, and we wish you a peaceful road until we meet again. I'm not excited for next one. Uh, Yeah, this week was very fun. Next week's going to be different than that.